So before Rooted, um, I didn't have a church family. I didn't really know a ton of people here. I feel like I had my own community. Having gone through this program, we'd be coming to church and looking for the other group members. Instead of just relationships at a community level, you're actually part of a small group that feels like an extended part of your family. The program just takes you through different areas of growth and that you get to do it together is just really empowering. It helps just being able to be a disciple and that's why we're really here. I guess Rooted has helped me sort of reflect on my journey, which is perhaps quite different than a lot of people. So I would definitely encourage you know anyone who's coming to church, participating, serving, worshiping, and you wanna get deeper, you wanna build relationships and family, I think this is a great opportunity. And so that's my testimony through the process. I was scared to share my faith, and after these 10 weeks, I feel so much more confident about it. I just know that somebody can relate to me or my story can inspire somebody else's. And Rooted really prepares you and gives you the tools to do that and to feel confident about where you are. I can see how this is gonna be transformative in terms of where a church is gonna go. It's gonna help us all like truly grow roots, right? I mean, that's ultimately what Rooted is about. Growing roots and getting deeper both in Christ and in the church. Come on, church. How's everybody doing today? So glad you're here. What's up to my peeps over there in Garner and Sanford and Columbia and the Kenya campus, Durham campus, of course, Wake Forest, Hillsboro online. Can we just welcome everybody? We are one church, one church in many locations. Hey, have I told you that I'm fired up about rooted I've been talking a lot about Rooted, and I just, I'm just letting you know, it, you're going to hear it. I could not be more excited about anything that we have brought forth to our church than Rooted. So everybody say, Rooted. Rooted. Um, I was uh, out in Montana a few weeks ago. You guys know this, just two weeks ago. Um, some of you know it. And I was with Compassion International. And uh, we were there because we had been um, we had been connected by a family, um, a very wealthy family that got all of their wealth almost overnight through fracking, and um, just unbelievable wealth. And the guy is getting older, the patriarch of the family, and he's getting to the point where he wants to do something with his life of significance. And so he contacted us and he asked if we could visit some of his land in Montana. This particular guy has actually exceeded Ted Turner in terms of the amount of land that he owns in Montana. And so he contacted us. He said, hey, I got six ranches you can use five of them. You can use them however you see fit if you can increase child sponsorships around the world. And as you guys know, we have a heart for that as a church. We have sponsored thousands and thousands of children through Compassion International. And so we went out to this ranch and we were visiting it. We were hiking through the woods. It was like 250,000 acres, just unbelievable, uninhabited. You'd go for hours, no cell phone coverage. We hiked 
hiked through the woods. We found these ponds. We, uh, he, he let us stay in his cabins. Um, unbelievable wildlife. You just wouldn't believe this place. And so we were there, and, and the whole purpose of going there was how would this work as a retreat center to bring senior pastors of large churches and CEOs to this place, let them enjoy the beauty of this place, the wildlife of this place, the hunting and fishing of this place, world-class rainbow trout fishing, unbelievable. And while we have them there, cast vision for child sponsorships. And so the moment we got there, we're like, this place is awesome, this will work. So thanks be to God, God's gonna use this place to increase child sponsorships around the globe, we are certain. But here's what I learned while I was there. And the moment I heard it, I thought, this is incredible, this is key for Rooted. I learned about the largest living organism on the planet. If I were to ask you, what is the largest living organism on the planet, what would you say? If you're anything like me, the moment you're asked that, you're like, I don't know. What I learned in that moment, because these trees were everywhere all over this ranch, is that the largest living organism on the planet is the aspen tree. And the reason the aspen tree is the largest living organism on the planet is because as the aspen tree grows, aspen tree forest grows, the roots go down into the ground and they are actually interconnected with one another. So all of the aspen trees that stand together, they don't stand in isolation as a solo tree, if you will. The roots sink down deep into the ground and they are interconnected. They are interdependent. We got a picture. I don't think it really does good justice to it. But, but here, let's look at the root system first. Here's the root system. So you can see how the trees, if you just take it, you cut the earth and you look down in there, the roots are actually connected together. Here's a few beautiful pictures of aspen trees, if you will. It's a gorgeous tree. And like I said, they are connected together. And the moment our... Our, our ranch guide, if you will, taught us this lesson. I thought to myself, oh my, that will preach. You don't have to be a preacher to know that will preach. That we as a community, the Bible clearly teaches that none of us stand alone. None of us stand in isolation. I know we try to, and I know in America we are famous for this, but the truth is true Christianity means that you and I stand together, black man, white man, brown man, rich woman, poor woman, lonely child, connected child. We all stand together and we are interdependent. We are interconnected, if you will, as a family of God. Can I get an amen? That is a perfect picture. Yeah, that is a perfect picture of what it means to be rooted. That is a perfect picture of what we are hoping and praying this rooted discipleship journey will bring about in our church. And it all starts next week. Have you registered for rooted? It is a 10-week discipleship journey at all of our campuses where we are gonna ask hard questions. We are going to get deep in the scriptures. We are going to experience authentic community and friendships and relationships. We're gonna stand with one another when we go through hard times, rooted, rooted, rooted. 
I also heard a little, a little story that I thought you would enjoy. I heard this from uh, the Yak people. By the way, has anybody ever been to Montana in and around the Yak River area? Okay, a few of you. That surprises me. Unbelievable, gorgeous area. One of the locals told me a story, and I was like, I got to share that with New Hope too. He, he said that, that there was a, a minister, a priest, and a rabbi. You already laughing. See, that's funny right there. The minister, the priest, and the rabbi were walking down through the Yak River area, and it was summertime. Now, the, the weather in the summer is beautiful there. The winters are brutal. Um, we were there in August, so of course it was awesome. And they're walking down through the woods, and after a long hike, and it's hot, they come upon this secluded pond, if you will, this mountain lake, if you will. And so the minister and the priest and the rabbi decided to go swimming, but they didn't want to get their clothes wet, so they took off their clothes. And they went skinny dipping in this mountain lake. It was so refreshing that when they got out, they decided they just wanted to stay like that for a while. So they started walking through the woods, picking berries. As they're picking berries in their birthday suit, if you will, lo and behold, here comes a group of local yak women, yak river women. Come walking up on the minister and the priest and the rabbi who are in their birthday suit picking berries. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, the, the three religious people saw the women coming, and the minister and the priest, they covered up their private parts. But all the while, the rabbi covered up his face. And finally, the ladies go, ah, and they ran away. And then finally, the, the minister and the priest looked at the rabbi, and they said, why in the world did you cover up your face instead of your private parts? He goes, I don't know about you guys, but in my congregation, they recognize my face. <laughs> now that's funny right there. I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. Come on back. Come on back. Let's, we're in church. Would you honor God and stand in honor of his word today? Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to be reading verses 6 through 15. If you love the word of the Lord at all of our campuses, let me hear you say strong amen. amen. Colossians 2, 6. So then, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. What's that next phrase? What is it? Rooted and built up in him. Rooted and built up in him. Say it again. Rooted and built up in him. One more time. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And overflowing with thankfulness. Any thankfulness? Any thankful people in the house? Aren't you thankful for God? Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to, what's that next word, brought to? Fullness. Anybody want to experience the fullness of God? Come on, come on. Anybody tired of experiencing just a part of God? Just a part of Christianity? Anybody here just tried Christianity and you're like, I, I just don't know. It's not doing it for me. 
Maybe, maybe you're not experiencing the fullness of it yet. He is the head over every power and authority. That's a good place for an amen. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for the cross of Christ. We give you thanks for the fullness of God. We give you thanks for what you are about to do in and through our church. We love you. Would you take our minds and think through them, take our hearts and fill with them. Lord Jesus, take my lips and speak through them today. For if you do not speak, nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And the people of God said together, amen. Hey, you can be seated, and I'm actually going to make my way down here. So it was January of this year, and the last Sunday in January is the annual birthday of our church. And on that day, we actually have what we call Vision Day. And on the last Sunday of January 2009, you might recall that I put a word on the board up here. And the word was on the count of three, one, two, three, if you know it, change. you're amazing. The word was change. And what I laid out that day to you is the reality that I believe as a church of 17 years old, we had reached a point in our journey where we needed to change a little bit, where we needed to actually grow some roots. And I used that language back then, even though I was not introducing the Rooted series. But the point I was trying to make to all of us is that I never desired to grow a church, plant or grow a church that became a mile wide, but only an inch deep. And I got to tell you that as I talk about this, if you're not careful, you'll go negative on the church. But I just got to let you know the truth is that if I could go back and do it all over again for 17 years, I wouldn't change much in terms of how we went about it and what we did in terms of reaching people, teaching them and releasing them. But what I was trying to communicate and what I'm trying to reiterate to us today at all of our campus locations is that there reaches a point when you plant a church. I'm talking about new churches. When you plant a church. There reaches a point when the church has to turn its focus into planting some roots and going deep into the heart of God and in discipleship. Now, you can just think about the life of a person and this will start to make more sense to you. How many of you are parents? Show of hands at all of our campuses if you're a parent. When you're a parent, you know what's up. I mean, first you conceive a child. Glory to God, hallelujah. Then once you conceive a child, then you give birth to a child. 
And you have to nurse that child. And, and then that child, you know, it becomes a toddler. Oh, God, help us. <laughs> right? And then that child becomes a preteen. God, help us again. The hormones start coming, right? Emotions everywhere, off the chart. Then they become teenagers. God help us. But then when your child gets to about the age of 16, 17, 18, you start, come on, tell me if it's not true, you start to expect your child to grow up. You even use that language. If you don't, you need to start using it. How many of you have said to your child, here's an idea, why don't you act your age? Grow up. And the beautiful thing is, if you've raised them well at that point in time, they do indeed and in fact start to grow up around that 16, 17, 18-year-old. I've always likened or compared the church to giving birth to a child and raising a child. We are 17 years old as a church. It is time for us to, <laughs> come on now, grow up, sister says. It's time for us to act our age. And rooted is the vehicle through which God is going to transport us into deeper levels of discipleship. If you just frame it in terms of our mission, and those of you at any of our campuses, you see this on the front of our buildings. It's reach, teach, and release. Say that with me. Reach, teach, and release. Again, reach, teach, and release. We exist to reach people with the hope of Jesus Christ, teach them to follow God's word and release world changers. When we see people get saved and baptized and rededicate their lives to Christ, that is all awesome. That's reach. When we start teaching people God's word and teaching them how to reorient their lives to the gospel, teaching them how to actually follow Jesus, that's teach. And then when we release people to live out their God-given gifts and calling, that is release. So if you look back at the text that I looked at, again, I hope you got your Bibles open. You can just open them and keep them on Colossians chapter 2. Hope you got your teaching notes in front of you. But the first few verses we read, let's read it out loud together. They say this, go. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with overflowing with thankfulness. So as you have been taught, continue to live rooted in him. Paul uses two great images for us today, rooted in and built up. Say it with me, rooted in and built up. It's a perfect weekend to talk about this kind of stuff because Hurricane Dorian just came through. Aren't you glad she didn't do any more damage to North Carolina. Have you seen what she did to the Bahamas? Hey, I feel led as a church family. Why don't we just, why don't we just stop right now? Why don't we just stop right now and pray for the people of the Bahamas? It's as they're finally getting in there, it's 
It's horrific. Father, um, storms and natural disasters sometimes leave me anyway just baffled. God, I pray, we pray as a church community, God, for our brothers and sisters in the Bahamas. Be with those families who've seen it all wiped away and they can't find loved ones. God, be there, Jehovah God, who meets their needs and provides for them. Father, use the worldwide community to bless them. Hold them in the palm of your hand, oh God. Romans 8, 28, would you use this, even this, to bring glory and honor to your son, Jesus? We pray it in his name and the people of God said together. But as you experience a hurricane or any windstorm, this passage even comes alive. This whole notion of rooted. I got a question for you. When strong winds come, what determines whether a tree stands or not? Is it, is it this stuff that is above the ground that determines whether it stays tall and erected and, and glorifying to its creator? No, 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 no. It is the stuff that's beneath the surface. It's the rooted system that, that determines whether or not a tree will stay standing. Those trees out west that I, I was talking about, you've probably been out there and seen the sequoias, right? Or the redwoods. Some of the roots literally sink into the ground 100 plus feet. It's the strength of the root system that keeps a tree standing in the midst of the storms. What is it that keeps a building standing? It's the foundation. It's the foundation. And in a very similar way, if the church does not build roots, if the church does not establish amazing root system, again, like the Aspen, where we are interconnected and we are interdependent upon one another, when the storms come, we will come collapsing down. Personally, Individually, in our relationships, in our vocation, in our marriages, in our parenting, when the storms come, if we have not built and grown deep-seated roots, if we as a church are not building this church on a rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ, we will come tumbling down. Now, this is where rooted comes into play. All things rooted at New Hope Church from this moment forward. It is the front door of community at our church. What is it? Rooted. It, it's the front door of discipleship at our church. What is it? Rooted. It's the front door, check this out, of membership at our church. To be a member of New Hope Church from this day forward, we go through a 10-week discipleship journey that culminates with us becoming members of this church. And so I, I want to help you today get a head start on what it looks like to grow in discipleship. I want to help us today take an, an insert, if you will, embed into the DNA of our church, a common vernacular. I hope we'll start asking questions like this. Have you registered for Rooted? Have you heard about Rooted? Have you become a member through Rooted. And it will happen every single semester in the life of this church. And here's why this is so important. This is why this passage just cracks wide open. Paul, after he tells us to be rooted 
and built up in Jesus. Look at what he says in verse eight. Verse eight, will you read it out loud with me together? Verse eight, here we go. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Paul uses this language to let us know if we are not careful. I wanna come right on over there further to you guys, but they tell me if I go any further than this right here, I get in the dark. <laughs> I have to listen to these productions people. They keep, they keep me on point. Paul says, if you aren't rooted, guess what? You're gonna fall prey to hollow philosophies and elemental teachings, and then you will definitely not make it when the storms of life hit you. I call this, this is not biblical language, you know what I call it? I call this root rot. Root rot. Any of you ever had a tree that looked good on the outside, but the roots had rotted? Or better yet, I know I've seen this many times, any of you ever saw a tree and it looked good on the outside, but once it came collapsing down, you found out that it was actually rotted? on the inside. If I might be so bold today, I would actually say to us today at all of our campus locations, the truth is the church, the church has lost some of its credibility in the 21st century because we've got some root rot going on. The, well, the, the church, listen, you ever, you ever seen Christians that they look good on the outside? Come on. They look good on Sundays. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How you doing? Thank you, Jesus. Hands raised up in church. Everything is all good. I mean, they are going along good. But then when the storms of life hit them, you see them just collapse and lose it. What about politics? Oh, my. Oh, my. You ever seen Christians who walk around, you know, and they're, they're all praise the Lord on Sundays and all this kind of stuff. But in the midst of political debates or tension, they actually lose their witness and get so caught up in the political deal that they let politics supersede and transcend their faith so that they lose their credible witness to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ because they are so blinded by one particular candidate or the other. And I could go on and on, but I, I got plenty of time to do that. I just wanna let you know, the next 16 months, will be brutal in America. The next 16 months, I believe, just my opinion, could very well be, I would say will be, the ugliest, most brutal, nastiest political season ever in the history of America. How are you gonna carry yourself in the midst of that season? Because you've got an option today, as you do every day. You can pledge your ultimate allegiance, if you will, to a Republican elephant or a Democratic donkey, or you can pledge your allegiance to a crucified lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And so the question becomes, and I believe the church, I believe the church messed up last time certain branches of the church. 
messed up because we turned our back on the faith and we got all wrapped up in politics and that will do us in. There is a man by the name of Phil Cook and Phil Cook is, a, is an amazing Christian in Hollywood. Imagine that. He's a Christian in Hollywood. He's a genius marketer. And I spent the day with Phil Cook a couple years ago, but he just wrote a book. And he wrote a book about the damage we've done sometimes in the church with these areas that I'm talking about. And he talked about how to, how to earn our credibility back as Christians. Get ready, because this, this might sting a little bit. He says, to the outside world, we have, <laughs> we have become the fat guy in the gym who's lecturing everyone else about health. Well, we're the shameless, watch out, we're the shameless politician who campaigns to raise taxes, but who doesn't pay them himself. Jesus. We're the celebrity who preaches about the dangers of global warming, but flies everywhere on a gas-guzzling private jet. All talk, no action. He says this. It's no wonder the culture isn't interested. If our actions essentially tell the world that we don't believe in the product ourselves, then why should they? To put it in advertising terms, by not being remotely committed as a community to the gospel we preach, Christians have damaged our own brand in the eyes of the public. If we can't say amen, why don't we say ouch? Ouch. And the vision of new hope has always been, yes, that we would reach, reach, reach people. I mean, you cut me and I just bleed outreach. That's just who I am. I believe that's faithful to the gospel. I don't ever want to forget what it was like to be lost. And I want to see as many people as we can possibly see get saved and found and baptized. Can I get an amen? But if it stops there, if your existence of Christianity stops there, or at best case scenario involves Sunday worship once a month, twice a month, your Christianity will become shallow. It will become hollow. You will lose your credibility and your witness and you will hit a ceiling on your spiritual development and discipleship. But if you will let that be the beginning and if you will get rooted and if you will be committed to actually becoming a disciple, your Christianity will not consist of this kind of consumeristic playing of religious games but we will experience actually the fullness of the gospel where together, you and I together, though we are very different, we become, listen to me, we become like Jesus. That's what discipleship is about. Back to the text, verse nine. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. The whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. 
having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also, what? Raised with him through your faith in the, what? Working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, for those of you who are not real familiar with the Bible, in the Old Testament, you had to be circumcised to be a part of the Jewish community. Men had to be circumcised. And, and it, it usually, um, sometimes it would happen when they were infants, but often it would happen when they were adults. Now, guys, just, just the men in the house, look at me, men. They didn't have pain meds. They didn't have razor-sharp, sterile little knives. They had jagged rocks. <laughs> Brothers over here cringing. <laughs> He's got his hands like this too. Um, like for real, if you can't say amen, let the men say ouch. <laughs> it was brutal, man. It was brutal. You read all about this in the Old Testament. And then the New Testament comes around and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the freedom and the glorious grace and Paul makes this case over and over and over. We no longer have to be physically circumcised. Instead, God wants to circumcise our hearts and, and bring us into a community of faith. And then there's this thing that you read throughout the New Testament where there is this struggle going on in your life and my life. And the struggle comes down to your spirit or I should say the spirit of God in you and your flesh. Now, if you are a Christian, the moment you become a Christian, the moment you receive Christ and you start to, to plant your roots in Christ, some of that beneath the surface stuff, the moment you do that, the Bible says that God imparts in your soul the Holy Spirit of God. The moment you get saved. God imputes, if you will, imparts, deposits the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, from that moment forward, the Holy Spirit is in you. Can I get an amen? amen. But guess what else is in you? Your flesh. And the rest of your life will be spent either listening to the Spirit of God and walking in the Spirit of God or listening to your flesh and walking in your carnal nature. Are you with me, church? Discipleship is all about getting planted in the word, getting planted in the church, getting planted around brothers and sisters in Christ where we can grow together and awaken our minds and awaken our lives to the spirit and walk in obedience to the spirit as opposed to walking according to the sinful flesh. Let me see if I can illustrate it. Suppose you have two dogs. Two dogs. You have a good dog and you have a bad dog. I can't use a cat here because there are no good cats. <laughs> if you're a cat owner, God bless you. It's fine for you to have cats. More for you, less for me. <laughs> but you got two dogs. So stick with me for the illustration. And let's just call them, I don't know, pit bulls, because pit bulls are fighters. 
And some of you don't like me for that because some pit bulls are nice dogs. And I know, I know, I know you can raise a nice, gentle, loving pit bull. I get it. Save your emails. I'm with you. It's an illustration. <laughs> you got two pit bulls. You got two pit bulls. You got a good pit bull and you got a bad pit bull. And they, they love to fight. If you feed the bad pit bull, Jesus, and you starve the good pit bull, who's gonna win the fight inevitably? The bad pit bull. If you feed the good pit bull and starve the bad pit bull, inevitably, the good pit bull is gonna win the fight. The same is true for these two things going on in your life at all times. Are you gonna feed the good spirit of God that has been embedded in your life, are you gonna feed that through reading of scripture, through prayer, through authentic community with other people, through getting deep in the word of God, or are you going to feed the ways of this world and the hollow philosophies and teachings of this world and just, come on, just the, the sinful carnal nature that we all have up in us, me included. Which one are you going to feed? Because the one that you feed will inevitably win the day. And then Paul does this amazing thing. He ends with this doxology. Look at verses 13 and 15. It's, it's kind of doxological in nature. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. That's a good place for an amen. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Your sin debt, your carnal nature, that part of you, that bad dog part of you, Jesus Christ is nailed to the cross. And when you come into a relationship with him, the blood that he spilled on that cross forgives you of your sin. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public, public spectacle out of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So what does it look like to remain in him, which is how Paul started the teaching in Colossians 2, verse 6. What does it look like to remain in him? Who are you following these days? Are you following hollow philosophies or teachings or things of this world? Are you following any men or women Disciples follow Jesus. The word disciple is a disciplined follower of Jesus. Got it? Disciplined follower of Jesus. When Jesus left planet earth, and I told you, you cut me, I bleed outreach, so I believe in reaching people. This church shall never take its foot off the pedal of reaching people for Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. But do you, have you ever thought about this? Jesus' last words was not go into the world and make converts. Matthew 28. Jesus' last words were what? Go into the world and make, make what? What's a disciple? Disciplined follower of Jesus Christ.
Disciples plant roots. They plant roots in God's word. Disciples realize that this stuff above the surface, though it's kind of important, it's not that important compared to the roots beneath the surface. Disciples remember and realize that if we're ever going to bear fruit, we've actually got to grow roots. We've got to grow deep in Christ if we're ever going to bear fruit. Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians says. Remember it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. The way you bear fruit is you plant roots. So rooted starts a week from today. Actually, a week from tomorrow. Can I wrap up today and just talk you through some application and I'm done. Application of Colossians 2. Here it is. Take out your teaching notes. Jot this down or maybe take some notes on your phone or whatever the case may be. Application. Plant yourself at new hope through, I talked about this briefly last week, so I won't spend much time on it at all today. Plant yourself at new hope through weekly worship. As we get back into the fall, it is a phenomenal season to form some new habits. We've all been kind of scattered. We've been you know, doing our vacation thing, or maybe we've just been sleeping in some or whatever. But the Bible is crystal clear, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. The Bible is clear that once a week, the Christian community is to gather back together and worship God. Worship God in spirit and in truth. So if you want to get planted at New Hope, if you want to really start to dig some roots, get planted through weekly worship. Secondly, secondly, register and attend a 10-week rooted discipleship journey. 10 weeks. I want to invite you to register and attend a 10-week rooted discipleship journey at the campuses. We're gonna be meeting at our campuses for Rooted. There might be a few exceptions here and there, but you just come to your campus and you go through Rooted. They're gonna show you a slide. Take notes. I see a lot of you writing and I love it, love it, love it. It's kind of, that's also the good thing about the fall. We're all kind of back in the learning mode, right? Have you noticed how excited our kids are to get back in school and start learning again? <laughs> look, how you, look how you register. You can register in the lobbies. You can register at newhopechurch.org forward slash rooted. There's also, some of you taking notes, check this out. You can register by texting. The text is, just text get rooted to 59769. What is it? Get rooted to 59769. No spaces between get rooted. So you can just take out your phone, get rooted, no spaces, to 59769. You can register online, like I said. You can register it in the lobby. You can register all kinds of ways. Limited spots. Let's go get this, church. Let's make sure we become a church at the age of 17 that is not content with just gathering crowds. 
Hey, you didn't know that about me. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not content with just gathering a big crowd. I'm not content with just getting a part of God in my life. Come on. I, I, I don't want a little, little dabble here and a little dabble there. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want God to be like a compartment of my life. You know, as Americans, oh my, we compartmentalize our faith. You folks in Kenya, you probably do the same thing. But in our lives, picture, picture a wheel. There's a rim, right, on a wheel. And then there's a hub. And then there's a spoke. Spokes. What we do, here's what we do. We have all these spokes in our lives. We have the spoke of what we do for a living, our vocation. Or maybe you're a college student, that's a spoke. Your marriage is a spoke, Right? Your, 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 your hobbies, that's a, that's a spoke. And what we do is we make God a spoke in our lives. God's just a spoke. He's just a compartment of our lives. And I wanna let you know that Christianity makes it very, very clear. God has no desire to be a spoke in your life. God wants to be the very hub of your life from which everything else moves and radiates out from almighty God. Let's go get this, church. Let's go get this. Let's register. And if we run out of spots, I know a few campuses are close to, one of them's already run out of space and they had to open up some more. If we run out of spots, don't worry. Rooted will come along in January, but go get it now. What do you say? You and I join in and be a part of the very first Rooted discipleship journey at New Hope Church because everything changes from today. In the Jewish tradition, I'll end with this story. In the Jewish tradition, young kids grew up, and at a very young age, they would learn the Hebrew Bible. Now, when I say Hebrew Bible, that's the Old Testament. And um, by the time they were in like grade school, second or third grade in, in our American school system, they would have the first five books of the Hebrew Bible memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Memorized! I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on. I was, about, I was about to kind of talk to us about our Bibles, but I'm going to move on. Then by the time, sister says, it's all right, go ahead. No, no, I got, I got to move on. <laughs> then by the time a, a Hebrew or Jewish child got to like middle school or ninth or 10th grade, they would have the entire Hebrew Bible memorized. It's mind-blowing. Rabbis would come through town, rabbis, the teachers of the Hebrew Bible. Rabbis would come through town and they would handpick the most studious, if you will, the, the most outstanding, the most disciplined young boys who were learning the Hebrew Bible. They would pick them and they would take them into a more advanced school, if you will, with the rabbi. And the rabbi would walk through the dusty streets of Jerusalem and all those areas, and the students would be behind the rabbi. I got a picture just to show you exactly what I'm talking about here. Here's the rabbi in the front. There's a couple of them, and, and these are the, the students, the men who have grown up, and they're following the rabbi. And there was this saying in the ancient world that, the phrase was the dust of the rabbi. 
And what's fascinating, that picture really demonstrates this. As the rabbi would walk in front of them, quoting Hebrew scriptures, the students would be following closely behind the rabbi. And those who were most disciplined, the students that were most engaged, you know, kind of like front row students in our classroom systems, the front row students, if you will, that were walking behind the rabbi would literally be covered with the dust of the rabbi. And so the saying that took off in the ancient world is that you could tell the true disciples by the ones who were covered in the dust of their rabbi. See, I love that. The same is true for us today. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, come on, endured the cross. As we fix our eyes on him, as we plant our roots deep in the gospel, as we learn to live and love one another in community, and as together, as a community, remember the Aspen Root System, interconnected, interdependent, as we do life together through Rooted, and we fix our eyes on Jesus, may you, may I, may we, be covered in the dust of our rabbi, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. If you receive it with joy today, let me hear you praise God and celebrate what he's going to do through rooted. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks for what you are doing in our lives, and we give you thanks for this season, God, 17 years of new hope. God, it's time for us to go to the next level. It's time for us to grow up a little bit. It's time for us to plant some roots and be planted in your church and in community and discipleship. So Father, as we step into this fall, would you spur us on by the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you teach us how to feed that good side of us? Would you teach us how to starve that carnal, bad, sinful side of us? And through planting our roots deep in the soil of your word, oh God, through rooted, would you bring forth great fruit in our lives to the glory and the honor of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said together, amen.